Hey, welcome to episode number 162 of More Than Bread. It's been over two years since episode number one. Of course, I took about a year-long pause in the midst of that. But if, if you've listened to all of the Psalms, but not our walk through the New Testament or our deeper dive into the Gospels of Mark or John, then I, I don't feel bad encouraging you to consider going back and listening to those as well. They're not really time-bound. You could listen to them anytime. And and though most of you know me, for those who are newish, my name is Dan and I'm your host for More Than Bread. I'm also a pastor. I've been a pastor of Calvary Church located in central Pennsylvania for going on 30 years. And over the course of those years, I've developed a deep love and respect for Scripture, for the Bible. It's what shapes my heart, my mind, my soul. I'm I'm not always in it as much as I should be, um, but when I am, um, it's good. And that's what led to this podcast where we find ourselves in the book of Psalms. I've called this chapter of more than bread, the top 40 Psalms, although it ended up being the top 47 Psalms, in part because I offered you all the opportunity to give me a, a few of your top Psalms, and and in part because the, the more I kind of read through the Psalms, there was more that I wanted to talk about. But now we've come to an end. Wrap-up number two will be my last podcast on the Psalms, hopefully not my last ever, but my last one on the Psalms, at least for now. Who knows, maybe someday I'll come back and do my middle 40, but but for now, just a few more wrap-up thoughts and we're done with the Psalms. In the last episode, I commented on a fact that I had only recently discovered that the Psalms were written and collected over the course of about a thousand years. I mean, that's a bit mind-boggling, right? I mean, isn't it for you? Uh, of course, then you add to that a few thousand more years that they've been sung, prayed, read, and studied. And my goodness, it's such a span of time. And for the last few months, we've joined that span. Each of you who have listened have joined that span of years, that that corporate community of worship, people together connecting to God. The Psalms are not just individualized journal entries. They're moments of connection to God corporately, moments where people have found their refuge in God, and, and we've been a part of that. When Dan shared with me that the Psalms supported him through a challenging summer, he was joining in that span of Psalms. He shared my best friend was helping me install a bridge three hours from his home when he got the call that his son had been killed in a horrific accident. It was God's plan that I was with him that day and able to get him home to his family. We're all dealing with the grief of the accident and the family left without their husband and dad. And then my wildly healthy, still driving mom, <laughs> whose only lifetime medication was a daily potassium pill, had a minor stroke followed by a fall and then eight days in the hospice house before she died. Although she was 90 and a Christian, she was still our mom. Her, her favorite Psalm, was Psalm 121, and her Bible was worn at that page. I sent, he said, your podcast on that chapter, on that psalm to my sister yesterday. You remember that one, Psalm 121? Great psalm. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He'll watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going both now and forevermore. When Bob shared his experience with God in the Psalms, he was joining that span of of psalm-saturated followers of God. He, he wrote, I, I can understand why Billy Graham wrote that you should read a psalm daily, because they're so real. 
They reflect our emotions and they speak to us in so many different ways. It seems like the writers were bipolar, but all of us have emotional swings, which Psalm speaks to me depends on my state of mind at that particular time. But the Psalm that struck me most in this series was Psalm 77. It totally reflected, he writes, an incident that happened to me two years ago in the midst of the COVID pandemic. During my morning quiet time, I was reading Hebrews 3, warning about hardening uh, our hearts towards God, and immediately my thoughts went to someone I care deeply about who's walked away from God. I remember crying out to God, please give me a sign that he'll return to you. I kept crying, why can't I hear your voice? Why do my prayers seem ineffective? In the middle of that night, he wrote, I woke up and was still pleading to God for him to move and speak. The next morning was Easter, and my wife and I were watching the service online. The worship team started singing Hillsong Worship's um, Praise the Father. And when they got to the chorus, I started to cry, but not with sadness, with a praise of gratitude as God revealed various events in my life and feeling that he was saying, I'm with you always. Trust me, for I hear your prayers. Be still and wait on me. That last phrase is hard to take, but I do need to be more patient, he wrote. He was joining that span of people, connecting to God, crying out to God, and and waiting on God. Eugene Peterson writes in his book on the Psalms, actually on the Psalms of Ascent, it's called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. He, He writes, one aspect of the world that I've been able to identify as harmful to Christians is the assumption that anything worthwhile can be acquired all at once. We assume that if something can be done at all, it can be done quickly and efficiently. Our attention spans have been conditioned by 30-second commercials. And by the way, Peterson wrote that almost 45 years ago. Imagine how much more our attention spans have been conditioned by the swiping of social media. He continues, it's not difficult in such a world to get a person interested in the message of the gospel. It is terrifically difficult to sustain the interest. Religion in our time, he writes, has been captured by a tourist mindset. Religion is understood as a visit to an attractive site to be made when we have adequate leisure time. We'll try anything until something else comes along. But what we need, I love this, he said, what we need instead of this tourist mindset, what we need is a long obedience in the same direction. It reminds me of a story I wrote. I read about another more contemporary psalmist by the name of Francis Havergal. It's a story that makes me think we need to lift up our standards of the effort we're willing to put into waiting for God. Just, again, that span of thousands of years and, and the content of people waiting on God, waiting for God to work, waiting for God to move, wondering where God was. Frances grew up in a Christian home in the late 1800s. She loved God's word. In fact, by her early 20s, she had memorized all the Gospels, all of Paul's letters, all of the Psalms. <laughs> she had memorized all the Psalms, even Psalm 119, and all 66 chapters of Isaiah by her early 20s. She wrote in her journal at that time, I still wait for the hour when I believe Christ will reveal himself to me more directly, but it is the quiet waiting of trust not the restless waiting of anxiety and despair. I I want Jesus to speak to me, she said, to say many things to me, that I may speak for him to others with real power. It's not knowing doctrine, but being with him that will give this. She wrote those words in 1858. Fifteen years later, fifteen years later, 
She had an experience of God that was the fulfillment of those years of listening to and waiting for his voice, a vision of God and an experience of his spirit at work in her that led to an amazingly fruitful time of ministry and one of the most powerful worship songs of the last 200 years. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. You know, we want so many things now. <laughs> right? We we want our destiny now. We want our calling now. We want to be intimate with God now. We want him to answer our prayers now. We want him to bless us now. But do we want to know God so much? Do we trust him so much that if it doesn't happen now, we'll keep going back. We'll keep waiting with patient anticipation until he works, until he moves. But the span of the Psalms... <laughs> The content of the Psalms, the experiences of those who wrote the Psalms remind me that we need a long obedience in the same direction. While Francis could have echoed the words of Psalm 13, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Like David, she simply would not quit, would not give up. And she became part of that span of the Psalms, a corporate worship gathering that spans thousands of years and millions and millions of people. Margaret and Drew are also part of that span as the Psalms have taken them deeper into their own personal life of prayer. I love how Margaret put it. She said, studying the Psalms is like joining in prayer, not as an observer, but as an intimate participant. Drew said, if the great cloud of witnesses can end in victory, then why not me? I also realize, he wrote, how lazy my prayer life has become. Concentration on my heart's desire to see change has been hard. The Psalms seem to help me wake up to the urgency. You know, if there's one thing that the Psalms do for me every time I dive into them, it's a deepening of my prayer life. Abba Isaac, a 7th century Syrian bishop, said those who pray the Psalms will make the thoughts of the Psalms their own. They'll sing them no longer just as verses composed by a prophet, but as born of their own prayers, knowing that the words of the Psalms were not simply fulfilled in the prophet's age and circumstances, but they are being fulfilled in our daily life. In other words, we're joining the span. You talk about joining the span. T.M. Moore writes in his book, The Psalms for Prayer, he writes, we must admit that we do not know how to pray as we ought, and we need all the help we can get, but our gracious God is not indifferent to our struggle. In addition to giving us his spirit to aid in our prayers, he gives us a manual and a guide to prayer that Christians in every age have found to be a valuable assistance. Today, many believers are once again beginning to discover the immensely satisfying, richly rewarding experience of coming to God in prayer through the vehicle of the Psalms. And Eugene Peterson, again, writes in his book on the Psalms, most Christians for most of the Christian centuries have learned to pray by praying the Psalms. The Hebrews, with several centuries of a head start on us in matters of prayer and worship, provided us with this prayer book. That's what the Psalms are. They're a prayer book. It gives us a language for responding to the God who speaks to us. Untutored, Peterson wrote, we tend to think that prayer is what good people do when they are doing their best. It is not. Inexperienced, we suppose that there must be an insider language that must be acquired before God takes us seriously in our prayer. There is not. Prayer is elemental, not advanced language. It's the means by which our language, our prayer language, becomes honest and true and personal in response to God. It is the means by which we get everything in our lives out in the open before God. Or like I said in the last episode, be different 
but come as you are. Be different, but come as you are to worship God. Come as you are in prayer. Bring the real you. John Stott, in his favorite, in his book, Favorite Psalms, and by the way, he only did 38 Psalms. Stott wrote, the reason why Christian people are drawn to the Psalms is that they speak the universal language of the human soul. The book of Psalms contains the whole music of the heart of man. Whatever our spiritual mood may be, there is sure to be a psalm which reflects it. Whether triumph or defeat, excitement or depression, joy or sorrow, praise or penitence, wonder or anger, and above all, above all, he wrote, the psalms declare the greatness of the living God as creator, sustainer, king, lawgiver, savior, father, shepherd, and judge. As we come to know him better through the Psalms, we fall down and worship him. And you know what? I would say more than any other themes that theme that we've paused on in this last episode or in this episode or the last one, God is the major theme. God is the heart of the Psalms. Whether it's a Psalm of lament or one of those bloody kill your enemies impeccatory Psalms, whether it's a Psalm of praise or gratitude, a Psalm calling us to enter into the cosmic worship of creation, a, a Psalm of ascent for the pilgrims on their way to a sacred space. God is the center of attention. God is the heart of our worship. God is the audience of every Psalm. And that's one of the reasons I love the Psalms is because they renew my vision of God. They encourage me to come as I am authentically, but they they renew my vision of God. Psalm 12, 6 says, the words of the Lord are pure. Psalm 18, 2, the Lord is my rock and my fortress, my refuge. Psalm 23, 1, remember the Lord is my shepherd. His goodness pursues me all the days of my life. Psalm 63, 3, God, your loving kindness is better than life. Psalm 135, 13, your name, O Lord, endures forever. Psalm 145, 14, the Lord lifts up all who fall. The Psalms are are poems, they're songs, they're words meant to create. They're, they're not theological documents, but they contain portraits of God that will touch our hearts and challenge our perspectives and change our attitudes and in, inspire our faith. Portraits that will deepen our vision of God. And we live in a world that so often takes God for granted. We treat him like he's an add-on experience at our beck and call for the times when we have time. But, but God is not an add-on life experience. He is the source of life. I wonder if perhaps the most critical issue facing us today is that we've lost the wide-eyed wonder and awe and astonishment of the radical good news that we have a holy God, an unstoppable force, a dream releaser of beyond imagination power, a holy God, a creator God who longs to be our father, who longs to invite us into his house, his courtyard, who desires to be found by those who long with all their hearts to find him. And man, when he's found seasons of refreshing are upon us. The Psalms are an oasis of hope, an oasis of hope in God. Psalm 39, 7 reads, And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. I've been thinking a lot about that word this week, hope. I've talked to a lot of people this week who are searching for hope, hanging on to hope, and some have even given up hope. You know, the Hebrew word, the word in the Old Testament most frequently translated as hope is the word kavah. The word literally means cord. In other words, hope is a cord. Hope is a connection. Hope is nothing more than tying yourself to something solid, something that will last. So just ask yourself, where's my hope? For what am I hoping? 
In other words, what chords are you grabbing onto? What what chords are you tying your heart to? The, the world doesn't give us very solid connections, right? I, I mean, some of us are struggling with that right now, aren't we? You tied your cord to the economy and your nest egg is gone. You tied your cord to the future that you had all planned out, but but something happened recently and you've been reminded that you're not in control, that life ends. You tied your cord to your marriage, your children, or a friend, and though God has created us for community, if we, if we put our hope in people, life gets shaken. So where will you put your hope? A higher power isn't high enough. We don't need a watered-down, feel-good chicken soup for the soul God. We want to anchor to an unmovable, unshakable rock of a refuge-giving God. One person wrote me about their experience in the Psalms, said, when we found out that our son had health issues in utero, I started in the Psalms. I don't know why, as I hadn't spent much time there before, but God led me there as I, as he knew I needed to hear his words of prayer and hope through our journey. We're still on the journey. I'm still working my way through Psalms. There's always something new that God wants me to know and understand. I just don't have words to describe how Psalms has helped me. <laughs> I wait quietly before God says in Psalm 62, 5, I wait quietly before God for my hope is in him. My cord is attached to him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. She has found the God of the Psalms, the giver of hope, the refreshing refuge for your soul. And may we all as well. I'll close with these words from Nick. My favorite moments, he wrote, are when you dive deeper into the scripture, the history, and the characters in the Bible. I love learning, he wrote. Also, after listening to each podcast, there's a lesson or scripture to apply to my life. It gives me a focus for my day. I've listened to them all in some episodes multiple times. So as I close, that's my challenge. Go back and read the Psalms again. You don't need to listen to my podcast again, but go back and read the Psalms multiple times. Find one or two that, that really fit your circumstances. Maybe it's a Psalm of lament or a Psalm of gratitude or a Psalm for God to be your rock of refuge. Maybe, maybe you need to go back and hang out in David's Psalm from the cave. Go back and read the Psalms again. Let the portraits of God saturate your soul. Let the prayers deepen your prayer vocabulary. Use, use the Psalms to pray. Use them as a guide for prayer or just pray them as they are. Apply the lessons of the Psalms and be different. Be different. Be different. But come as you are. I'll probably be here for one more episode before I take a, a little bit of a break. It won't be a year. <laughs> I, I'll have one more episode after this, but then maybe a week or so of a break before we start into a new series. And I'm not totally sure yet what that series will be, but it'll probably be another Old Testament book. And I'm leaning towards the book of Daniel. Daniel is one of my, well, Daniel's my namesake. Um, but for now, let me just pray for you. God, I pray for each and every person who's listening, who just needs hope, who, who needs to tie their cords to the rock of refuge that is your heart, that is your love for them. God, I, I pray that um, psalms would be used to deepen our, our language of prayer, that, that we wouldn't see the psalms as being that, that perfect language that we need to learn in order to come to you when we're good, but that, that we would see the psalms as they are, that it, it's, it's us coming to you 
in all our realness, in all our honesty, in all our authenticity, good, bad, hard, indifferent, discouraged, doubting, praising, grateful, whatever it is. God, I lift up each and every person who is listening to this, and I pray that that as we join in the span of those who are connecting to you over the course of years, over thousands of years, God, that you would mold our hearts and shape us and bring us together. Give us a sense of the span of those who have waited upon you and have found you to be a good, great God. We ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.